Adding wholesale as a channel to your store is a great way to increase revenue. But how do you offer customer-specific pricing in Shopify? Well, naturally, there's a bold app for that. It's called Customer Pricing. And it's great for wholesale, of course, but it's also cool to add things like a VIP program where you reward your best customers. So it's easy to use. To put a customer in a price group, you just tag their customer account. Or, if you want to get fancy, you can auto-tag customers into groups based off how much they've spent, how often they order, where they're from, or what products they purchased. So it's really powerful. For example, if they've spent $500 or more, you could tag them as silver, and they get 5% off. 1000 or more, they get tagged gold, they get 10% off. You could even do it by how many times they've ordered and even what country they're from. With the tagging by product purchase feature, you could actually sell a membership product and then give them a member discount. So if you're a Costco member, this should sound familiar, because it's exactly what they do. To try it out free for two months, head to ethercycle.com bold. That's ethercycle.com bold. Additional support for the unofficial Shopify podcast comes from SEO Manager. You know the benefit of SEO. The higher you rank in search engines, the more visitors your store will have. And more visitors means more sales, which means more money in your pocket. But how do you do that? That's where SEO Manager comes in. It helps Shopify store owners get found in search engines, and it's trusted by thousands of Shopify stores. It leads the market in both innovation and usability, and it's no wonder. SEO Manager adds an entire suite of tools to help attract new customers by fully optimizing your store. So here's a few of my favorites. It scans your site for SEO issues, offers keyword suggestions, adds structured data support, analyzes missing pages and redirects, and it even integrates with Kit, Shopify's personal marketing assistant. And that's not all. It does a whole bunch of more stuff. All of these things will help you to be easily found in Google and other search engines. And best of all, it's easy to get started. You can launch SEO Manager on your store in minutes, and their friendly support team is always on standby if you need help. Plus, as a special offer to our listeners, you can get SEO Manager right now for 10% off forever. Sign up at seomanager.com unofficial. That's seomanager.com unofficial. Good morning. Hello. Welcome back to the unofficial Shopify podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Elster. And today we're talking about customer service. Don't stop listening just yet. I promise. Customer service is an incredibly important, non-trivial, non-boring issue for companies of all size. We all have to deal with it. So I'm in client services and certainly we that that is almost entirely a form of customer service where you're interacting with people. If your business involves interacting with people, especially with the general public who can just get in touch with you, guess what? You are now in the customer service business. Um, and we have, I've certainly had a, a rude awakening to the level of customer service and how to provide it um, in running. We've got three Shopify apps. Anyone can install them, <laughs> but here's the catch. At the end of the day, it's like even a $20 a month app. All right, Shopify takes their $4 fees. That leaves 16 bucks left over for me. 30% goes to Uncle Sam. All right, then I got to split it with a, a business partner. What am I left with? Like six bucks a month per customer? So how much customer support are you supposed to provide for six bucks a month, right? It's kind of crazy. Um, and it, it is a, a topic that we don't talk about enough because it's not sexy, but it's incredibly important. If you want to extend customer lifetime value, if you want word of mouth referrals, if you want a good reputation, if you want one of those brands that people just trust that they love, guess what? Good customer service is going to be the cornerstone of that entire experience. So I have a gentleman with me today who is going to walk us through, who's going to teach us about customer service because he says he's been providing great customer service for 20 years. And guess what? The customer's not always right. There are situations where you will deal with toxic people. I have more insane customer stories than I can remember. There's, there, are, there are people out there who will test you. So we're going to go through all of that. We're going to talk about like, what, what people are doing wrong, what tools you should be using. We heard about Gorgeous, G-O-R-G-I-A-S.io. This seems to be the hot new kid on the block. We've got uh, – that was a mixed metaphor – uh, we'll be talking about what there's things you say that set customers off. Talk about setting tone. All right, that one of my favorite topics. Um, and real, and we'll go back. 
how can we deal with those toxic people? Like, where's the line? What do we do? How do we handle it? This is some of my favorite issues because I take, let's be honest, a lot of this customer support is going to happen over email, and I take tremendous pride in a well-crafted email. So we'll we'll get into that a little bit. But that feels good. Feels like a good intro. I am pumped. Dave, how are you doing? I am fantastic, and that was an amazing intro, I have to say. Of, of all the intros in the podcasts I've ever been with, I feel like I'm – you just got me excited to talk about the thing that I came on here to talk about. Well, it's, <laughs> and I was already excited about it. Good. Good. I'm. That's what I'm going for. Like I – it is as much for me as it is for you as it is for the audience. We need to all be excited about it. And what I've learned is I won't do topics or guests that don't excite me anymore. It isn't worth it. And somehow there are enough people out there, enough interesting topics that we're on, like, episode 150. We've got over a half a million downloads, and I am more excited than ever by it. The only thing I'm saddened by is I'm trying to get we're, – we're trying to find some good podcasting software. You and I were talking about this earlier. So I can use my audio drops. Remember a couple episodes ago, we've got I DJ Khaled. I had some cool sound effects. I was having a lot of fun with that. Um, but the tool I used to do at Zencaster, too unreliable. I'm, I'm sorry, Zencaster. The dream is dead. So we're we're going to have to figure out something else. So if someone has an idea on how to get a soundboard working, let me know. All right. Total rabbit hole there. I apologize. Um, all right. The thing I didn't do was introduce Dave Rodenbaugh. I introduced the topic. Dave, I did not introduce you. I apologize. So Dave, Dave is a consummate entrepreneur, consultant, freelancer, general, do-good business guy. He's one of those folks who is out there uh, contributing and building to the community. A, a connector that's I have self-styled myself that way it is one of my favorite kinds of entrepreneur and it just involves a lot of of working in public so what Dave does he is the founder of recapture it's an email marketing and abandoned cart solution for Shopify yay and Magento Ooh. hey speaking <laughs> of this is where ooh. that soundboard would come in handy right here <laughs> yes so speaking of uh, Magento if you're on Magento and you know it sucks it's like pulling teeth um, yes clearly I'm biased and you want to switch to Shopify Plus, they are running a promotion. You can get Shopify Plus for free for six months if you sign up uh, now. So email me, let me know, and I will will set that up for you. Uh, all right. And Mr. Rodenbaugh, more importantly, he also is the co-host of the Rogue Startup Podcast. Since you're a co-host, who is your co-host, Mr. Dave? Craig Hewitt, who Craig runs Hewitt. Act- yeah, he actually runs Podcast Motor and now Castos and another uh, app called Sales Camp. So he is also another consummate entrepreneur. And, Serial entrepreneur, uh, very busy. Yeah, very I had much him, so. Uh, I had him on the show. We talked about, hey, podcasting is a tremendous marketing opportunity. Um, and a, that, that, was, that was good fun. He's a, a past guest and a good man. Um, and then you also run a conference, Big Snow Tiny Conf West, a business mastermind and ski getaway for small web businesses. Uh, all three of these things I have linked to in the show notes if you want to check those out. And of course, Mr. Dave is passionate about customer service, e-commerce, small business, which really, when you say, I'm passionate about small business, most people don't realize four out of five businesses in the U.S. are small businesses. You may as well just say business. That's a a weird issue. <laughs> Once I realized like, that, I'm like... It's like Table Mesa. It's redundant, right? Yes. Yeah. So the uh, he also is the father of three girls. Congratulations. I've got three children as well. Thank you. Just Lord have mercy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when they out, when you, I, I never got an appreciation for zone defense until I really had three kids. <laughs> <laughs> so Dave, uh, let's back up. Yes. Why, why is... Why is customer service important? This sounds like a dumb question, but it, it really isn't. I think it's a, like back to basics. Let's define it. What is – well, actually, let's go even further out. What is customer service? How are we defining customer service here or customer support? And is there okay. a difference between service and support? We're going to okay. really, really dial this 10,000-foot view here. You're going to get down into the minutiae here in a minute, aren't you? Yes. Um, all right. So – I would say that customer service, let's let's d- define service. Customer service is literally where you have any contact whatsoever with somebody who is going to potentially, not necessarily have been, but potentially purchase something from you. Could be anybody. So customer service is just about, from my perspective, 
doing right by other people at the broadest, highest possible level. I would say that that's what customer service is. But that doesn't always mean that they're right. It doesn't always mean that you have to bend to their will. You yes. should be you should do right by them. You should have high integrity. That's what customer service is for me is is high integrity for like a it. business. I think yeah, I mean start dial it. I mean if you are if you're a shitty person in real life, you're probably not going to provide great customer service. <laughs> or if no. you will, it will be like perfunctory to a degree and then the moment someone slights you, you're done. I view it very much as like I live my life by a, a perceived social contract. I, when we're, you're out in public, if someone is respectful of you, you responded kind. If I get an email from someone, it's very it's respectful. And I have this in the bottom of my email templates when I send out my newsletters. If you ask me a thoughtful question, I'll send you a thoughtful reply is what I say. And what I'm saying is like if you are respectful of me, I will happily help you. A stranger stops you and asks you a polite question. You will – and like, what time is it? How do I get here? I work in a mall, so I get all fairly – I seem to appear to know what I'm doing, so people tend to stop me, I guess. And really, I don't. Um, <laughs> but I, I try to help. And customer service is the same way. You know, someone sends you a nice – a simple question, you're going to answer it. If they're a total psycho, you may – you know, you have to fight the urge but not respond in kind. But I think there's right. that just that idea of the, the social contract. So yeah. customer service has these broader implications for your personality and how you, you approach life and other people. Um, okay, so we've got – it's not just – we say customer, but really it's everybody. It's prospects. It's, it's people. It's, oh, my gosh, be a human. This is human-to-human -human selling here. Yes. So what you okay. just described is what Robert Cialdini says is reciprocity. It's a basic psychological principle. If somebody does something nice for you, you're more likely to do something nice for them. So and this goes back. You could, if you have read, you know, the now sent almost a century-old book, uh, "How to Win Friends and Influence People" by Dale Carnegie. That's like one of the core idea. tenets. Yep. Yep. It's exactly the same sort of thing. And the, and these guys, by the way deeply understand, like Dale Carnegie understood what customer service was all about. Uh, customer service is part of sales. Most people don't realize that. They think that sales is this slimy trying to push something off onto somebody else and persuade them into trading their money for some product. No, it's about meeting a customer's need and you can't meet their need if you don't understand that customer and connect with them somehow, which is the core basic tenant of customer service. I want to, let's back up even further. What what a, what about you makes you qualify to talk about customer service? I completely oh, that's <laughs> a fine question. Yeah, because we've gotten to this whole thing here and we're starting to talk about this, but who, nobody knows me from Adam here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, so I have been doing customer support in one form or another since about 1993. Okay. My very first job out of college was answering phones at a software support uh, line. I'm and so then I sorry moved that up. happened to you. Oh, well, <laughs> you know what? I got so – I got an eye-opening education right there to just see the wide variety of people that contact a support desk. As a young man, I, mean, I worked a lot of retail jobs, and that's how I felt about that. <laughs> yeah, it's the like, same. Yeah, a, you can – you can get that in a lot of different ways. Answering phones, you know, I worked at an ice cream store where you had to deal with that. At, at if you're selling clothes or whatever, it, it's the same thing in okay. any of those businesses. So it's, it's, it's real personal experience. Yes, real personal experience. And like you said, since that job, I have realized that every single job I've had is just another flavor of customer support. I've been working as an independent contractor and developer for a number of years, couple of decades at this point, as a consultant, you are constantly doing customer service. You have to be totally alert to what your client really wants and needs and be able to provide it for them. And if you screw up, you got to apologize. You got to own it. You got to take care of it. You got to make it right. This is our first, so, first major key alert right here is the willingness to apologize. If you are apologizing, it does not mean you are wrong or bad or that you have lost. I think that is people's resistance. Their fundamental resistance to apology is if I – there is a battle and I've lost if I apologize. I have admitted – because most – like most interpersonal disputes arguments are really two people arguing over who is the larger victim. When you're apologizing, I think sometimes people view that as a loss. No, an apology is – 
like the most mature thing you could do, and you're taking ownership. A real apology. And there's nothing, it's such a powerful skill. Once I got over, probably, uh, I don't know, we'll say I was like probably 30 before I figured out, like, oh, apologizing is easy and good and helpful and freeing. Like, I th- that, I think, is a, a core tenant to when you have an upset customer. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the thing that I think, like you you just touched on this, but let me dig into that a little bit more. The thing that everybody really has a hard time with is the apology part of it, but they think that this somehow admits fault. It doesn't. What you can apologize for, you can apologize for somebody's bad experience. You can apologize for the way that they are feeling. You can apologize for having a frustration. You can apologize for a lot of things. It doesn't mean that you've somehow transferred all of the responsibility back onto yourself. All it does is acknowledge that this other person is having a really crappy time right now. And that's a human thing. Like that right there is expressing a core emotional value that in my opinion is the most important thing that you can have in customer service and that's empathy. If you can empathize with somebody else and make them feel like they're heard and that you understand the problem and that you're willing to do something about it, they're going to immediately change their their posture and their position with you. It's going to go from hostile to, oh, they're going to help me now. Yeah. Oh, we're, yeah, that's nice. We're making – and as much as I hate that people feel the need to start with like hostile and aggressive to get action, it's because they have been trained to do it by other poor customer service experiences. And of course, yes. like it happens to everybody. I have had – you know, and it could be like they got other – you have to acknowledge you can't be mad at them. Maybe their dog died. Like there's other stuff going on in their lives um, that can lead to this. So that empathy is important. Um Paul Paul Jarvis had a good line. He said, uh, when someone sends me, like, because he'll just get the most ridiculous uh, replies to his emails um, on occasion. Paul Jarvis, uh, P, I forgot what his website is. Just Google Paul Jarvis. He's a wonderful writer with this, like, big email list with, like, 30,000 people on it. Great guy, really nice. I think he's been on the, he may have been on the show. I know I've done stuff with him. Anyway, that was a rabbit hole I went down. But he said, if someone, the point is, someone sends him a a nasty email he writes it in his head. He doesn't take it personally because he says to himself, oh, someone took a shit in their Cheerios. Like, they had a bad day. Something happened this morning, wrecked their day. They're taking it out on me. It is not about me. It's about them. And then it's easy to to say, like, man, okay, I'm sorry that happened to you. Um, the, the line I'll often use, like the opening um, email salvo when someone is upset is, like, number one, thanks for bringing this to my attention. Like, hey, I... Even if I like, either I didn't know about the problem, or I didn't even realize it was a problem for you. So, number one, thanks for bringing it to my attention. And then I'll say something like, "Hey, you know what? You're right. We could have done that better." Or, "Thanks for being open and honest about your experience, so I can learn from it." And I appreciate you helping us improve our process because I don't want anything like this to happen again. Or like, "Hey, I re- I realize that's a huge disruption to your day or your business, and boom, I'm I'm gonna work to get it fixed." Like, just I want it to i i want to flip it as all right you're right that shouldn't have happened that sucks and hey we're gonna fix this together yes yes that's exactly what you want to do (laughs) by connecting with them you first of all it diffuses the situation because you do get those people that come in with hostility and anger because that's i mean they've either dealt with really crappy tech support in the past or that's the way that they have been trained to get things done as quickly as possible. Because if they come in really angry, then some people are like really scared of them. Like, ah, oh my God, angry customer, I got to do something about and, this. And it's important to note, an angry customer is not, and we'll get into this later, but an angry customer is not necessarily a toxic customer. Those things, the, I found the most toxic customers are not the overtly hostile, aggressive ones. Yes, Yes, you. there are a wide variety of toxic customers. And toxic customers can come in as angry, but they'll stay angry no matter what you do. Yes, yes, yeah. Those are the ones that are dangerous. I've had plenty of customers. Like I've had uh, – so I also have done some uh, work on WordPress plugins on the past, and they've had I'm a public review system. I'm sorry that happened to you. <laughs> I came – we were WordPress developers. We came from the WordPress world year some years ago. Um, and certainly things have improved, but oh my, <laughs> yes, all kinds this, of issues. If you want to have some challenging customer support, let me tell you, support a free WordPress plugin right there. Ugh. 
Yeah. So anyway, the the story I was going to tell you is that I've had a number of times where I've had somebody post like a one star review. Doesn't do my taxes. You suck. You know, that <laughs> kind of a thing. And he, they'll come in and I will try to actively reach out to them at that point. And I'll yes. say, look, I'm really sorry you had a negative experience here. So first of all, I'm not apologizing for anything about the plug-in or itself. But they've obviously had a terrible experience. Now I'm going to see if I can reach out and try to fix it. So then I will say, what was it that went wrong? How can we help? What can we improve to make this better? And then I've had a significant percentage of those, probably more than half, that all of a sudden were like, you know, I'm really sorry. I was having a bad day. Blah, blah, blah. You know, they'll talk about all the things that were happening and going on. You know, my site had crashed. Uh, my host wasn't around for their customer support to do the right thing. My dog got hit in the street and uh, my yard was on fire or whatever it was. You know, just l this litany of things that had happened to them all at once. And your thing was just the, the icing on the cake that really pissed them off. And they just had to take it out on you. Yeah, so when exactly. I reached out to them, they were like, yeah, so here's what happened. And I said, great. You know, I'm sorry that this happened. Let's see if we can fix it. And then I walked through helped them with their problem and, you know, turned it around within 24 to 48 hours. Some of those one-star reviews turned into five-star reviews because they were blown away by the fact that somebody, A, actually cared to reach out, B, followed through in their promises, and C, delivered. And that's, you know, that's <laughs> the bar the... <laughs> for customer support these days is low. <laughs> I often say this about, like, I mean, there's so many things where it's very low, but yes, it is depressingly low how like the standards for dating are so bad i've had this conversation um with a few people like you know i'm married now but it's like man it really does not take a lot to be a good person to date because the bar is so low customer service there's no different even like in e-commerce if you want to be a really standout brand there's just a ton of basic things that most people aren't doing so it doesn't take a lot um the largest app developer on Shopify is uh, Bold Apps, and well, and they they sponsor us, so everyone I s should be familiar go by bold. this point. Yeah, go bold. Yeah. Um, and Jay Myers, who's one of the the co-founders there, they're the way they view it is well, every negative review, every negative experience is an opportunity for a five star review, and I have found that like, uh, many of our reviews of our apps, especially like crowdfunders, like closing in on 40 reviews, which is tough, tough to get. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. At least half of those started as like, I've got, you know, not necessarily angry people, but just, yeah, I've got this problem. Can you help me with it? And then when you do and you actually fix it for them in a reasonable time and you're not a jerk about it, then they're like, oh, my gosh, this is the best thing ever. And they write a five-star review because the bar Absolutely. is so low. Yeah. Yeah. So that if you want like tip number one right there, I don't care if, if you're an app developer or you are selling stuff in a store or you're just a general entrepreneur. If somebody has some issue, you have an, an amazing opportunity to surprise and delight them. Those are the two elements that I think really set aside good customer service from mediocre to bad customer service. You surprise them by responding quicker than they would expect to hear from somebody. So if you can do it in under 24 hours, that right there is usually a good We're, surprise. Yeah, we should say – yeah, we should define that. And I have people with unreasonable expectations. But for us, it's if it's a business day, can you do it same day or within 24 hours? And those – that's pretty good. The weekends will slack. Um, but if it's a – if someone – if they have an urgent issue, we'll get on it. So recapping, um, don't be afraid to apologize. You have to empathize with people. When people are angry, it's not because of you. It's Really, it's not necessarily because of you. It's either it's how they've been trained to deal with customers. They think they have to act angry or they've got other stuff going on. Like, life's crazy. Um, and the bar for customer service is depressingly low. So to over-deliver, really just do do what you think is right and you're probably already over-delivering. Um, the okay, so did, well, did I get all that right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Good. I would say the the one thing I would add to that is, um, if you're doing the surprise and delight thing, whatever you're doing to delight them, just deliver. Like, just I, I like to think of it this way: What would make me deliriously happy in this case? So, if somebody oh. comes to me and says, "I've got this bug. I'm having a real problem with it. Your product sucks," and you think to yourself, "All right." 
how could I make this person really happy? Is this bug something that's really easy to fix? If it is, just fix it. Just shove it out the door, put it out there and say, you know what? Thanks for bringing this to our attention. I really apologize that you ran into that. That's not the kind of standards we set for ourselves. By the way, we fixed that. It's available here. Hope you have a fantastic day. Like right there, you're going to shock them and they're going to be blown away by the fact that you actually responded to their thing within a very short period of time. And then they suddenly become a huge proponent of your product or service or business. Yes, yes. And that is that is the, the crazy part about it is that you have to – those are you have to look at those as opportunities to make people into super fans because it's like oh my gosh they actually listen to me and when you're a small business you can afford to do that versus you know like me trying to get support for uh you know trying to get something fixed on my apple laptop a lot of problems that i'm just going to put up with i'm not even going to bother messing with apple on like that kind of thing or you know it's like it's going to be a big headache small business can move faster um and respond directly and people can feel like they've they're heard. Um, okay. That is your major advantage right there. It's speed and ability to respond. If you're a small business, that is like your number one advantage. You should press it at every opportunity. Okay. So, all right. I got where I should prioritize. Um, how, well, we've, we've established like, okay, here are the basics to do it right. Uh, does not seem that hard. How is everyone doing it wrong? <laughs> What's the inverse of do this question? Do you want the list in alphabetical or chronological What, what are the top things that people do? you see people doing wrong? Oh, all right. So uh, the number one pet peeve I think I have is where you get that robotic, empty response from somebody. It's the email. Thank you. It's the email Thank templates. you for your feedback. Ugh. Sorry for your inconvenience. We will look into this issue. When you get that email, that email uh, says, I have replied to close the loop and deleted this. This is forgotten. You were not worth it. That's what I hear. That's what I read. Yeah. Yeah. Or the, I'm sorry, we can't, or we're unable to, or we don't, or, you know, all of these things that you're contacting a support line and then you turn around and don't actually get support. Like that is the worst thing that you can do in my book. Also, I just like my aid, like the very tippy top of my list is the word feedback. So if somebody says, thank you for your feedback. Feedback is what you get when you take a microphone and shove it up next to a speaker. <laughs> it's a horrible, nasty, grating sound. It is the literal worst thing you would ever want to hear. So why would you use this as the word to go to somebody and say, thank you for giving me this horrible sound. <laughs> That's what you're basically telling them. So so I call that empty language. I've stolen this from Sarah Hatter, who is a customer support expert and runs cosupport.com. And she has been doing this longer than I have and has fantastic insights and information. If you're interested in getting a good book about like how to do customer support, how to run a customer support organization, you should go check out her website in particular. But she has this notion of empty words versus full words. And it's the difference between sounding robotic and templated and the kind of stuff that you know you would really hate and full and human and empathetic and good customer service. So that's when you hear things like, thank you, or I'm really sorry, or this sucks, I know this is frustrating, or you're right, that's a great idea. Uh, or let me check and get back to you. Or thanks for sharing your idea or your thoughts or taking the time to help improve our store or our products or our services or whatever. Those are the things that make people feel like they're heard and listened to and connected with, like you actually listen to them. So I would say if anybody is doing the stuff right, and it sounds like you're doing stuff right, Kurt, because I heard exactly those full words coming out of your mouth. That's true, yeah. You were talking about that. Like people who automatically understand good customer support are already using good the full words. But it's like the big companies, you try to contact like eBay for support. I guarantee you, you're, you're going to be hearing about sorry for your inconvenience and thank you for your feedback and all of that kind of crap. Try contacting PayPal for support. Oh, see how that goes down. Bad. They're really bad. And it's funny because if you talk to them on the phone, like you actually get a real human, they're nice. 
Yes. They're they're really genuinely helpful. I've well, had this is what happens. So the issue here is email templates, and I love email templates, but like when you first approach them, a switch flips in someone's brain, and they go, oh, well, I'm, I'm only writing this once, and it's business. So, And they write this incredibly stilted thing that's like, dear sir, you know, that just even though it's a template, you still just voice it as yourself, right? Um, and that will go a long way toward not having that reaction that you had. Like, thank you for your feedback. Like, yeah, it nails on a chalkboard. You're not going to get anywhere with that. Yeah, and it's um, the call centers that are the worst, the ones that I think that they've um, offshored it. And I don't think there's any one country that's to blame for this. I think they all kind of train their support reps pretty much the same way. They give them scripts. They say, here's if you hear this set of questions, then give them this response. Like it's, you know, they're basically telling them, here, flip this switch if you see this light go on. It's the same kind of robotic answers you get, and it doesn't – you know, there are call centers in the United States that will do this exact same thing. So it's not limited to other places in the world. Those All of that scripts stuff, and that templates temp- started scripts somewhere. Scripts and templates suck. <laughs> and they, they started somewhere though, but you could write them in a way that they don't blow. It's true, and in fact, I still have a customer support person that works for me. And she has a list of things. She's not technical, and sometimes she answers technical questions. And I can say, if you hear these words, start off with this you know, opening empathetic part, and then you can use this as a response because she doesn't necessarily understand the technical details behind it, but she can understand you know, some pattern recognition here to say, oh, they're talking about this? Oh, I need to talk about this response here. So you can do that. You can actually – Train people to be empathetic. Well, actually, no, I take that back. You can't train empathy. That's the thing you can't train. You can train them what language to use, but you can't teach them to care about other people. And that's the unfortunate aspect about customer support. You have to care about other people to be good at customer support. (laughs) Yes. And that's a great anecdote I I heard from uh, Alan Branch, who formerly owned uh, Less Accounting and sold it, now runs Less Films. Um, and is a, a wonderful human being, when he was interviewing for customer support people, he would test them. And so they would do like their first interview was it was a remote position, they'd interview over Skype. He'd get really get really weird. He'd set up like the room was dark except for one lamp that was like up over and shadowed him, so he looked crazy. He's like half out of frame. And then he's just kind of abruptly in the call and then ignore their next two two or three emails. And only if they followed up like three or four times was he like, all right, this person cares and gets it. And if they could deal with him being so weird, and then he's like, all right, you, I was testing you. You win. You got the job. Nice, nice. <laughs> I and I don't, a- I don't encourage uh, s- subjecting people to secret tests, but uh, his point is totally valid there. Oh, yeah. There's a, a, a test that a WordPress managed hosting company does for their customer support folks. So what they do is they get some experienced customer support people in the room, and then they get all the candidates together in a circle, and they kind of mix them up so they're all, they don't have all the support people sitting by themselves and all the candidates facing them or anything like that. They put them into a big circle, and then they have everybody tell an embarrassing story, everybody, including the support people. And during this time, the support people are watching the other candidates' reactions. Hmm. So if you're an empathetic person and somebody tells an embarrassing story where, you know, maybe they showed up and, uh, you know, they had acne all over their face and they walked in somewhere and they weren't expecting to see a bunch of people and they got embarrassed by that, empathetic people will naturally react with shock or horror. I mean, there's a visible emotional reaction on their face. And so that's how they tested to see whether somebody was empathetic or not because that was the number one thing they were really looking for. They could pretty much train the rest and they needed some basic technical skill. But everybody by that point had already passed that level. They were looking for the people that were going to do the best job at support by checking their empathy. So if somebody didn't have a reaction to these embarrassing stories, they automatically got eliminated in that round. I love that story. I think that's a fantastic test. It's not terribly sneaky. You can't really fake it. (laughs) But – it's a great way to check if you can do in-person interviews or even over Skype, you could do that. So it sounds like kind of the, the worst thing we could do with our customer support is, re- is use a language that's perfunctory and dismissive of people. Thank you for your feedback. We'll look into this. Have a good day. Send. Now, you don't want to use um, those kinds of email templates. Instead, you want stuff that's very human and empathetic and like, hey, 
you're right, we could do this better here, and then you know, I own it, and then say next. So it's really it's number one, empathize. Number two, own it. Number three. Uh, here's how we're going to change this going forward. Here's how we're going to fix this. Here's what we're going to do. Give them anything that says you, you, this complaint has not only been noted, but you have changed something about the way the company is run. Yes. And the one thing I would add to that is, and I think you ended on number three, right? So number four is follow up with them. Ah. Make sure (laughs) that their problem is resolved. That right there is a loop closing thing that most people don't do. Yes. And you think that once you've sent them an answer, you're done. The only time I'm really done on customer support is if they come back to me and say, yes, Dave, that worked. I appreciate it. Thanks. And, and the, then, you know, I'll send them back something that just closes. It says, great. Hope you have a great week. Okay. So and the way to tackle that um, is to, you could set reminders. Uh, yep. You could use... So, like, if you've got, you know, let's say you run your business at Gmail, like many people do, use an app like Boomerang, or supposedly in the Gmail update, we're going to have, you know, we'll be able to bounce stuff back. Um, so you could do that. Uh, it would work well. Um, in our situation, we have a project manager, and we'll CC her on stuff, and she'll know, or I'll just say, hey, you know, in a week, follow up on this issue, make sure this got resolved and they're happy with it, or report back on results, that kind of thing. Um, or, you know, use support ticketing software like Gorgeous or Zendesk. And those things um, have the will often have features like that built in, where you could say, "Hey, did this you know did this work out? Should, can we close this ticket? That kind of thing." Um, okay, so it's, I mean, the, really, what I'm hearing is the bar is so low. If you put in a modicum of effort here to to just be human, this will go well for you, um, and you do Hugely it in a timely so. fashion. Like it, it, yep, it's one of those things. It's basic, but it still needs to be discussed because so many people miss it. Um, now, how you – we're largely talking strategy here in this episode. There are other episodes where we talk tactics, like, all right, here's, here's apps and services to use. And I, I'm gonna, I'll put it in the show notes because right now my favorite – I think the, the cool kid on the block is gorgeous, and we did a recent episode with him. So we'll include that as like, all right, here's the software to do this. But I wouldn't worry so much in this instance. Worry less about the tactics. Focus on the strategy. How fast are responding to customers? What do those emails, templates, interactions look like? And then do we follow up on them? Right. Yes. The tool you should use, whatever tool makes the most sense for you and your business and your process. So if you have a larger team, maybe Zendesk is a great idea. If you're just a single person running it all on your own, maybe running it through Gmail works just fine. And if you're somewhere in between, then you use Gorgeous or you use Help Scout or you use Groove or just there's so many tools that are out there. I'm not going to say one of them, you know, kills the others in terms of. It will make you better at support. It doesn't. You have to do good support no matter what tool you use. And the, even the most basic tools like Gmail will still enable you to provide great customer support. Okay. Final issue here I want to go over is toxic customers. You're going to have people where at some point you go, all right, like either I'm being <laughs> I'm being abused, I'm being taken advantage of, like they're – are people who will prey on good customer support or are just bad people in general. How do we identify those? Where's the line? How do you deal with it? Help me navigate a th- this th- the thorny issue of toxic customers. Because you you will have toxic people in your life, but it really it changes the scenario when it's a customer service situation. If it's in your personal life, you can go, listen, we're done here, and cut them out. It's, customer service is very – it's different. It's hugely different. So toxic customers are probably the hardest thing that you have to deal with in customer support. And this is the thing that if you've been doing customer support for a while, toxic customers will really ruin your day. Every time I get a toxic customer, I find myself, it takes about 24 hours to kind of get them out of my headspace. Even after I've dealt with them, even after it's the situation is closed or whatever, I just can't stop thinking about them. So these customers will take the most time, the most resources. They'll frustrate you the most. And you have to understand that these kind of customers are not necessarily the people that you want to keep doing business with. And you have the ability. In fact, you should fire these customers. You should basically stop keeping that person around and ruining your life and ruining your business. Now, there's a right way to do this and there's a wrong way to do this. And I've tried the wrong way for a while. That didn't work. That didn't work at all. (laughs) 
Um, the wrong way is to treat them with the opposite of everything that we've talked about here. You don't talk to them with respect. You answer with anger. You try to one-up them. No. You point out yes, all their flaws. The, yes, and it, it, the way it starts is by being passive-aggressive. And they'll often, yes. like, that's how they will often start. And then you're offended, and it turns into this frame control situation. And I know it's because I have fallen victim to this. And, it, like, at the end, you, you didn't win. Nobody won. It doesn't feel good. Um, you're like, yeah, like, I really subtly zing them. Like, what did you get out of that? Yeah, I didn't get anything out of it. Um, and it's often worse than starts. that because they will turn around and give you like a one-star review in the Shopify app store. Yes, or, they'll hold you or, hostage. They'll hold you hostage in some way. So I would say that there are three main categories of toxic customers. Um, there's the willfully ignorant, the ones that no matter how much you explain things, the, no matter how much you try to go out of your way to help them and talk to them about stuff and try to lead them away – the way they're supposed to go and give them links and helpful information that they still keep coming back to you and asking really basic questions. You're like, okay, (laughs) why is it you're not helping yourself? You're not reading the things that I'm giving you. You're not doing the things that I've told you will make you better. So that's, that's number one. Number two, I think this is the, the least offender. That's the least offensive. Those are the ones that are just frustrating and they they drag your time down. Yeah. They're just a time suck. They are not inherently malicious. No, no. But the next two are malicious. So there's one that uh, I would categorize as the belligerent. And the belligerent, I don't really get them. You know, they just want to be angry all the time. Even when you respond with kindness, even when you are empathetic, even when you offer to do things for them, they're still like telling you how much you suck and that your product is the worst thing ever. And yet they keep using it. You're like, what? If I'm really that bad, why is it you continue to use this? That's you know, yes. you, that's they're, the they're hallmark so, of that person. That's how you really tell is if you're like you're awful, and then you agree with them and go, you're you know what, you're right. We're not a good fit. Uh, so let's go our separate ways. Here's alternative options for you, and we have refunded your purchase. You know that sort of thing. And then they're that makes them mad too. They're because they really they just wanted to keep keep abusing you. Right. And when you when you refuse to engage with that, they they just don't know how to respond. Like they expect you to escalate that so that they can get some, you know, endorphin high from yelling at you more. I don't know exactly what they get out of this, but they they just want you to play that game. And if you don't play that game, if you basically say, I'm really sorry, our product or service or whatever is not a fit for you. I'll be happy to refund your money and let you find something that is a better fit for you. I hope you have a fantastic day. That's yeah, it. And then they get, That's all you say. They're done. Yeah. And then they, they, you'll know for certain that you were dealing with a belligerent individual when that too makes them mad. Yes. Yes. And, all right. Yeah. The and then the type. third one here is the extortionist. Oh, These are my least favorite. These are the, these are the ones, you know, the other two, I feel like I have pretty good strategies for dealing with, and it's easier to sort of let them off the hook. But the extortionist is the worst. So they're the ones they'll say, I found this bug in your software. You better fix it right now or I'm going to leave you a bad review. <laughs> or if you don't add this feature right now, I'm going to tell you all – I'm going to tell everybody on social media what kind of a piece of crap your store is. Yes. Or I'll sue you if you don't do X. We've you had know. merchants um, – and I've, I've been privy to these emails where we've had merchants – where the person is like, uh, this coupon expired. If you don't give me, or like, if you don't price match this, it's always around the price. Like, if you don't do X for the price, then I'm going to blast you on social media. And then they'll tell you, like, how big their following is. That's my favorite part. They're like, I did blah, blah, blah. Like, okay, great. Go do it, buddy. <laughs> like, you're, you're the one who's going to go look like a jerk. Tell them, go tell them. I asked them for a discount that I wasn't entitled to. They didn't do it. So now I'm mad. Yeah. And you, you, <laughs> But there's no – the extortionist – I mean there's no good way to deal with them. And I have been lucky where I've not particularly had this happen, though we um, – really the only time I could think of it like truly happened was a, a gentleman said, hey, do you, have, um, do you have an affiliate program? I said, no, I'm sorry. We don't have one right now. Um, just, you know, it's, it's just not something we wanted to do. And he's like, oh, really? Because I've got this big audience and I want to recommend your product, but I can't because you don't have an affiliate program. It's like, well, A – if you wanted to do what was in the best interest of your audience, my affiliate program should not have a bearing on that. Um, 
But then he's like, well, you know, if you don't build this affiliate program for me, your app's not that complicated. I'll just make it myself. Man, go for it. Oh, then, yeah. Oh, <laughs> then you, the, literally the threat was, I will go build a competing business. <laughs> My response was, please do. You know, we will, there's more than enough, n- enough stores for, to go around. It will have no impact on me. And then you will have, have some empathy here, having lived that experience. But yes, yeah, that the, the person who takes you hostage is the most diabolical and obvious of toxic customers. Yes. And the, they're, they actually have a very similar way of being dealt with, uh, similar to the belligerent. So with the belligerent, you just basically refund them and say, you know, I'm sorry, this wasn't a good fit. You know, here's your money back. I hope you find a good fit. With the extortionists, you know, you basically say, I'm sorry that this escalated to the frustration point that you felt the need to threaten us. Um, because you've threatened legal action here, we're forced to end our business relationship. We're fully refunding you for your purchases. Should you choose to continue engaging with us, all future correspondence will be answered by our legal counsel. Jeez. <laughs> oh, I like yes. it. Yeah. So you, you just sort of wrap it up and say, you're lawyering up? Great. We can do that too. And whether you have legal counsel or not, it doesn't really matter because this just shuts them down. They have no recourse with you anymore if they're not a customer. And maybe they continue to do something and leave a bad review or whatever. You can't really do much about that at that point. You just have to sort of move on. And what I find interesting is the people who threaten to do this never do it. Yeah, most of them don't. I've had a couple of people have followed through on the bad review stuff, but I never have received – legal action from anybody who's ever threatened to do it if you're gonna threaten it you need to just do it and that's the catch it's like someone who's willing to threaten it probably isn't willing to do it yeah you call their bluff and odds are they're probably bluffing because well and anyone who's been involved with a lawsuit knows it is tremendously expensive and rarely does anyone win it's like even uh, if you won it was still a giant waste of resources yeah yeah so those who are willing to frivolously sue are probably never going to actually bother to take the action because <laughs> it's too much hassle. It's way too much work. All so, right. yes, those, so those are the three kinds of toxic customers that I would say that most people end up dealing with. Yeah, the sol- I, I like that we have identified them by three category. That's very good. Uh, makes it because you it, it's in a situation where everyone else you're like, I want to I want to help you and I want you to have a good experience. And that's my goal. And I want to follow up. And then you have these handful where – and really like two of three, like the, the, the willfully ignorant is just a matter of, okay, how much effort do you want to put in? Um, and how do you like subtly kind of transition them toward, hey, I mean if so – well, depending on the situation, I have told people, listen, I want your success, but I can't want it for you. Here's, you know, here's some resources that I recommend. Eh, I don't know that that's the best response, but it, it, has, it has seemed to work. Um, for the other two, they're very clear. Where it's like, okay, you're unendingly belligerent, but want like the the hallmark is they tell you you suck, but they want you to keep working for them, for the for the belligerent person. All right, so that's very easy to identify, so you don't have to feel guilty about shutting that down. And the other is very obvious too, because it's like I'm threatening you in some way. I've found a way to hold you hostage. I'm trying to hold something over you. It's like that's not an appropriate way to deal with people ever. Um, so that. It, being able to identify those is good. Uh, okay. From going forward here, you – well, number one, what, just give me one thing you wish everyone would do to improve their customer support. Well, if you're – so I would say it kind of depends on where you're at because I couldn't just sort of give you a blanket across the board thing. So if you're new to customer support, just learning to do empty versus full words, that right there will already level you up above your competition. No problem. That's that's it, number one. Number two, I would say if you are more experienced with customer support, then learn how to elegantly fire customers that are wasting your time and recognize them more quickly because these people are draining your resources. And customer support is very resource intensive. You can waste a lot of time and a lot of money on the wrong people with it. Um, and then number three, if you're past both of those steps and you're really good at those, then I would say work on your surprise and delight. How can you find ways to create a Zappos-like or Nordstrom-like experience in your customer support? How can you blow away your customers today? If you can think of that one thing, that can level you up. Okay. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, 
All right. It sounds like you personally have great customer support. If someone wanted to experience your great customer support, would you please pitch us on your your service offering? Oh, absolutely. Uh, so ReCapture is an abandoned cart and email marketing solution for Shopify, Ding, and Magento. Wah, wah. Um, Thank you. <laughs> well, it is the unofficial Shopify podcast, right? So anyway, we've been around for a couple of years. We are a great solution if you are trying to use something in your store that's more sophisticated than, say, the default stuff that gets installed with Shopify. But maybe you're not quite ready for the level of complexity that's introduced by something like Klaviyo. So we kind of fit somewhere in between here. And a lot of people, I think, can install Klaviyo and then end up using 25% of the features or whatever in there. So if you're just looking for something a little more focused to do review boosts or collect emails or do abandoned carts, we're going to expand other stuff soon, you should check us out at recapture.io. And if you become a customer with us, you will receive the kind of customer support that you have heard us talk about on here because we live what we talk about. You know, I one of those things that I think really differentiates a service from all of the competitors is the kind of support you get. And you can always tell that by the number of reviews that exist in the Shopify store. Now we're new to the Shopify platform here. We just launched this year. So we're still working on our reviews, but I guarantee you we'll be up there eventually. And if they use, uh, your standard free trial is 15 days. You are willing to extend it by a factor of four to 60 days. Uh, if people use code, Oh, they have to email code USP rules and you'll hook them up. So what's that? They sign up and then they shoot an email to you and test that support? Yes. Yeah. So if you install the app and you are a listener of unofficial Shopify podcast, just contact us, which there's easy ways to do it. There's a little intercom button at the bottom of the app, or you can hit reply to one of the emails that we send out when you've signed up for the app. They all go directly to my inbox. And you just say, hey, I heard you on Kurt's podcast or USP rules. Can I get the 60-day the free trial? Happy to hook you up. No problems. I will include that in the show notes. Mention the unofficial Shopify podcast for a free 60-day trial. Cool. Dave, this has, been, this has been enlightening. My honor and pleasure. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on here. I really enjoyed talking about this. Customer support is so important, and yet at the same time, I love it so much, and it's fun to talk about it. I really enjoy it, so thanks for having me. Thank you. Before we go, I wanted to tell you about our friends at Zapiet who helped make this episode possible. Have you ever wanted to offer local pickup in your store? Or how about scheduled local deliveries? Zapiet's easy-to-use app helps thousands of merchants do just that offer store pickup and delivery to their Shopify customers right in their store. They've just launched a massive update that adds a ton of new features. To learn more about it and start your 14-day free trial and get 10% off if you stick with it, head to zapiet.com slash podcast. That's Z-A-P-I-E-T dot com slash podcast. Our program was produced today by Paul Rita. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. If you're looking for more high quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at eCommerce Bootcamp. That's eCommerce-Bootcamp.com.